Welcome everyone to Studio Soundtracks, the monthly program that takes listeners behind the scenes of making music for film and television. I'm your host, Chandler Poling, and today I am excited to welcome two very special guests, S.D. Heim and Christopher Stracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello. These two musicians are busting into the film composition scene, having scored the Netflix limited series Made, ranked as one of the top dramas of 2021, which Forbes says is becoming Netflix's biggest limited series and is a must-see. They also scored the Sundance Audience Award-winning film Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which went on to screen at South by Southwest and coming soon to Tribeca. Guys, I'm really excited that you're on uh, Studio Soundtracks here on Dub Lab Radio, and I want to know... How did you two end up working together? What And what is the magic formula for you guys to turn out two incredible scores, like one after the other? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That's very, very kind. Um, I think that Stray, Stray and I met pretty serendipitously. We have a, a very close mutual friend um, by the name of Tobias Jesso Jr., Toby JJ, as he's affectionately <laughs> called. Um, and I, I, I came to Toby and I was like, you know, there's this opportunity that's kind of presented itself. Um, I've, I had never scored anything before. I'd obviously made music with my sisters for the last 10 years, but never, um, made anything that, you know, was to service something visual. And I came to Tobias because I think I come to Tobias anytime I'm kind of, you know, in, in a musical conundrum. And my musical conundrum was that I, I needed a collaborator um, to, in order to do this. And I came to Toby and Toby was the one that was like, you need to meet Stray. So Toby was really the connector. And I think I walked into Stray's studio and it really just felt like home I felt really comfortable like right off the bat I mean Stray is just like you know I think everyone can agree everyone that knows Stray just immediately falls in love with him because he's just the like coolest he just completely disarms you with Aww. 
it's true it's true like it's it's immediate and I felt it immediately and I and you know and I think when you're collaborating with anyone new it's kind of like dating you're on like a first date and it can be awkward and it can be bad so I think there's always like a little bit of trepidation when you meet someone new that you kind of you might collaborate with and I didn't feel any of that was Dre and I immediately we just jumped right in and you know, all three of us were kind of like vibing. And then after like 30 minutes, Tobias was like, I'm just going to let you guys do your thing. <laughs> it's kind of like he like let the kids on the play date. Yeah, he did. Play. He, did he, he was <laughs> pushed us into the park and just yeah, yeah. let us have it the slippery dip. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then from there, it was just like, I don't even, it, again, like dating, it wasn't like we were like, so what are we? It was just kind of like, oh, we're together. <laughs> like we're yeah, doing it. <laughs> it was like, it was like, there's goals here that have to be achieved. Let's achieve them. <laughs> and we just, exactly. We just kind of smashed through it. Actually, yeah. no, we didn't realize because that's right. We did the first, the first thing that we did was like uh, um, the opening scene of the show of the pilot. And yeah, that's when, and then, we found out that we got the job, basically. I think they were talking to some other people as well. And we were like, you know, just did it and sort of hope for the best. And then they came back to us and they were like, we love it. You know, we want you to do it. And so we were like, okay, we're, we're a thing. Let's go. It was fun. Yes. Awesome. What was that kind of first kind of notes on page, so to speak, uh, moment for you guys? Were you trying to, so was this opening scene to, to made and the pilot, was that kind of your first trial run or your first date, so to speak? Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. We started from the tippity top and the good news is, you know, the producers gave us amazing direction We're super collaborative but also made itself was just, there was so much there to work with emotionally. And I think it was just trying to find a balance, you know, not, and that, I think that was kind of the thing that Stray and I really had to learn was, you know, you not telling the audience how to feel and, and understanding that. Cause I think musically, you know, Stray and I, whatever instruments I don't play stray plays and vice versa. So it was like, we had kind of just like the, the buffet table of instrumentation. It was never like, you know, we don't know kind of where to go or how to play this. It was like, what, what aren't we going to play? Like what, what are the things that we're not going to do because we play so many different instruments and because I think both stray and I are, completely ensconced with not only music, but specifically world music. And so we were like, do we go this way? Like, should we incorporate, you know, some of these world music elements? And you can hear a couple, you can hear some of that on the, on the opening scene. We, I think we fit in uh, a tabla, right, Stray? Do we fit in a tabla? tabla Yeah, there is. Yeah. So like we, yeah, I think for us, we just kind of, threw the spaghetti at the wall and saw what stuck. And there was a lot that didn't stick. But yeah, I think there was just a lot of back and forth. I think Stray and I are both, like I said, just obsessed with music. And and really, you know, we were just going back and forth. Like, oh, have you, 
like any like any early relationship like oh have you heard this like oh no but like you need to hear this and like oh no but like this guy influenced that guy let's listen to that and there was just like a lot of like I think that was maybe like 50% of our sessions were just like going back and forth jamming like playing. jamming and just being like no but have you heard this did you see this video did you see this like performance in like 1973 that like is on YouTube now and like so our palette was just kind of vast so really it became like editing and like holding back the palette taking away the pieces of the palette that we weren't going to use yeah and the other thing is like you know both of us have sort of projects that where the music is very much the focus and also the focus of the music is to like you know write a song with a a big chorus or something like that you know like you've kind of got to be like at the forefront the whole time and so I think like learning that thing of like oh no like you really have to take a back seat like we're just we're 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 really just creating like a supporting ambience in this moment and then there might be a moment where it's like okay now the music's going to reach in front and actually touch the viewer you know and then it's going to pull back again and so like learning that dynamic of like when to be ignorable almost you know and when to be apparent is was probably one of the most fun and like you like probably the big learning curve I guess but also probably one of the most fun things because it's like it's a really like that's where you feel like you've got this like godly power in a way you know where you really you're kind of toying with with people in a way where you have to make them feel a certain way without making them realize that oh the music is telling me to feel this you know it's so that yeah that we're like weird sorcerers in a way yeah <laughs> now you guys kind of bled into my my next question which was you know obviously you mentioned you're, you're no strangers to the music industry you know writing releasing albums but uh film composition like how is it different you know Christopher you touched on it a, a little bit but what are what are some of the adjustments that you had to do for writing music for film and tv I mean, (laughs) it's so different. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I feel like it's pretty, it's, it's not obvious, but um, I think with our respective projects, we're kind of just like the only cooks in the kitchen, first of all. And, you know, we make the music we want to make and we write the lyrics we want to write and we, um, it's, it's, we're pretty autonomous. I mean, there's some other cooks in the kitchen other than me, Dingell and Alana and for Stray and his partner. Um, but not really. And in, in the case of, and thankfully in the case of Maid and also Chacha, the people that kind of had bearing on what we were doing were very collaborative and were super uh, straightforward and really clear um, on what they wanted us to do and what they didn't want us to do. And so it made our job that much easier. Um, and also I think Stray and I, um, we like to give more, I mean, we go above and beyond is what I'm trying to say. Um, no, we like, we, we just really, uh, went kind of every which way at first we were like, it could be this, it could be that we like this. We like that. These are the different vibes. And so we gave the producers and the director 
and a, a, kind of a lot of options to start out just so we could kind of hone in on exactly what they wanted. And I think that was important. Especially in Bata, yeah. Yeah. And in, and with Made too, I think that like we, yeah, the, the, we just really had to kind of, that, that was the the big learning experience was like, we we had someone to answer to, you know, but doing it this way was actually really kind of nice. It was, it, it and, and again, we're lucky that we had collaborators and worked with filmmakers that wanted to be collaborative. Great. Yeah. So speaking of made, I'm going to play uh, earlier. We heard uh, a cue titled driving to ferry at the top of the show. And I'm going to play another cue from made. This is called shelter.
Now, did you both play on the score to made or did you guys use session musicians or, or how, how did you guys kind of collaborate on the actual playing of the score? Yeah, we played everything. We, didn't we played everything. <laughs> yeah, no session musicians. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but you know what? Like part of it as well for us is like exploring, you know, because we have an understanding of like many different instruments between the two of us. Um, whether or not the technical proficiency is high, maybe a different story. But like, I think that that's super interesting, you know, some like, especially for, for myself, I find that instruments that I don't know how to play, but I feel like I can get a tune out of, that's when things become really interesting from a score perspective, because you, uh, you worry less about technique and more about um, like texture in a way, you know, which can be super evocative for scores. Um, and I mean, look, both of us can play guitar, but instead of playing the guitar, normally we were playing it with the paintbrush and things like that and just making it super close just to try and get like different textures and sounds and that like real brushy, which you hear in that, in that piece, it's like super like brushy guitar. Like it's got a kind of cool sound to it. And then there's charango there as well, which is like, I mean, you know, it's not the same thing, but you can punch out a little melody if you know how frets work, you know? Charango, love that charango. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of the tracks that you guys brought, which I'll play in a little bit, is called uh, Court Hearing. And there's really curious kind of plucking sounds layered on like a bed of, of, of sound with piano motif and stuff. I, I'd love to hear kind of how you put these kind of tracks together, especially such a crucial moment in a story for uh, the lead character. I mean, that was that was um, me. Come, I came into the studio and um, we started watching that scene and I like ran to the piano and I started playing a melody, but when I heard the piano, it sounded really muted. And I was like, straight, what's going on with your piano? <laughs> and I put duct tape on it from something else I was working on. Like I just duct taped over the strings. And so that's what that plucky sound is. It's, it's duct tape on my, <laughs> on my I was like, I was like, I love it. I was like, let's do that. That that could be cool. I mean, it kind of sounds like eerie and creepy. Like, I love it. Um, and so that's kind of how that came about. That was just, yeah. I, again, like, like Stray said, my proficiency is more in the stringed instrument realm. I'm, I also played, I'm a drummer. So, and piano is not my strong suit. So but the fact that I felt compelled to sit at the piano for that scene, you know? And then I sat down and I was like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, this is definitely the vibe. This felt like the vibe. Mm. Um, and I do think that there is something that happens in the studio. I mean, this is gonna sound super misty woo woo, but I think when it comes to songwriting and being in the studio, it's, I think a lot of things are happy accidents. Yeah, there's just a lot of instinct. I mean, it's yeah. like, okay, it doesn't, like that feeling of that plucky piano is like, it's not, what's so good about it is that it's not, you know, it's not in like, you, you wouldn't really be able to notate it almost. It's not like in a perfect timing rhythm. It's just, it's more of a feeling. And that's like yeah. so much um, what's fun about music is that, you know, not everything has to be like, okay, we're playing 
scales here on tuned instruments like so much of it is just like especially nowadays it's like oh I my coffee mug made a cool sound when I dragged it across my table let's record that and put it in the sampler and then you know that becomes the bass sound for this tune or whatever you know like there's so much of that um just explorative sound design and I think the obscuring of conventional instruments is one of the most interesting things about you know like if you're watching something and you hear a very familiar instrument, it's like, okay, cool, that's a piano or that's a this or that's a, you know, that's a guitar. Or, but then once you start obscuring those sounds and you're, you're sort of like taking a little bit of a detour from the conventional reality of, I think that that triggers something in the imagination that, where you're sort of not quite sure what something is. And that's when I think everything gets really interesting. I agree. I mean, there's only 12 tones in the scale. In the Western scale. In the Western <laughs> scale, at least. There we go. There we yeah. go. That's my world music partner. <laughs> that's my world music partner. Um, so there's, you know, you, you kind of, you got to make it interesting. You got to, I mean, sonically, melodically, yes, but also sonically, like you got to, you know you gotta you gotta play a little bit you gotta play but in order to do that you have to experiment yeah well that leads me to my next question which is all about uh, experimentation is that an important element like do you set aside time in exploration for new sounds new ways to play uh, whether you're writing for an album or or a score absolutely it's essential i think it's essential you have to again like there's a it's playing we're playing music. You have to play. You have to be. I think that the thing also that I love about Stray is I think we both have a very childlike nature about us. And we both kind of play off of that. And to, yeah, to play off of it, to use it. <laughs> the operative word is play here. Yeah, yeah. We, I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, we like, you know, we like, we like playing around. And I think that's also what makes. You know, yeah, fuck, man. Discoveries are made, I guess. Yeah, and I also think like life is too short to not have fun doing what you do on a daily basis. So, like, I think we kind of also go into everything that we do, just kind of with a, you know, I guess a a, a light hearted. Nothing ever really felt dire or or stressful or, you know, it was really just us playing around and having fun and you know we had a common goal and we knew what we wanted and we knew we were eventually going to get there so we weren't really stressed so it was a lot of experimentation and we definitely set aside time for that but we were pretty efficient too I mean we were like burning the midnight oil a lot of nights you know but it was enjoyable it wasn't it didn't feel like work you know we would just spend all day and, and all night just kind of chipping away at this score and woodshedding and things became pretty clear when they worked and when they didn't. So, and we pretty, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but we really just agreed every time. I was like, no, it's not that there was never an argument. We were never like, we didn't fight. Yeah. We didn't disagree between ourselves. The only time when it was things like we thought this is it and we would send it. And then, um, you know, we'd, and it probably, it happened a few times, maybe in 10 episodes, which I think is pretty a good track record. But, you know, like sometimes you send something and, and 
people don't see it the way you see it. You know, like sometimes what you think is moody and um, like quite melancholic, they might find like sweet in some yeah. way. And I'm, you know, like that's just a matter of taste. And that's like we were quite lucky that our tastes were 99% aligned, you know, yeah. with the production yeah. <laughs> similar visions for the project. But there are times where, you know, like people read things differently. And, in, and, yeah. and yeah, you just got to sort through those kinds I of mean, things. I'm way more emo than stray. That's for sure. I'm really emo. I tend to get really fucking dark. I mean, I think we both, you know, we both can go there, but I yeah. think. I, oh, you you mean like when someone said, like, no, this is not it. <laughs> when, well, yeah. Like I feel like sometimes you had to reel me in and be like, Esty, this is like weight. Like you're getting she emotional. <laughs> like, like we're like, this is not servicing anything on screen. And I'd be like, you know what? You're, you're right. 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 When you're right, you're right. Stray. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's too emotional. Well, let's hear this track that we've been talking about. This is the track called court hearing from Maid. Thank you. 
Now, changing it up, I want to talk about your career as recording artists. You both released albums during the pandemic in 2021. And starting with Christopher, you released the Music for Growing Plants album. And as a plant grower myself and houseplant person, I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about why, uh, why you created that album. So this is an interesting story. Um, Tobias, and second mention, um, who brought us together, also, Tobias and uh, Emma, like some of my best friends here in LA, have a child together and they asked uh, me to be the godfather to that child before he was born. And basically this album was a dedication to him uh, as his welcome to the world, really. So it was, you know, I just had this concept of this, and I, at the time, was also growing plants. And I thought, wow, there's like, you know, amazing parallels here because um, I germinated these plants from, um, you know, from seeds and stuff and to see like the thing grow from, from nothing. Like it, it's very cool, you know. Um, and that whole concept of growth and like something coming out of nothing and uh, then just how it exists in the world for a time you know that's really what it was i think like that whole pandemic zone of quarantine really made people like get pretty introspective you know and start like kind of like pretty heady concepts started coming to light and so yeah that that was an exploration um into the concept of uh growth from and and coming into existence basically Beautiful. And that's how that came about. Yeah. And I, I had love to it. finish it in time. I love um, because it. I think the whole thing took me a couple of, I tried to, I tried to burn through it. I think it, um, cause I had the idea quite late and quite close to the due date, you know, <laughs> to do it. So I think I like the whole thing got done in less than a month and, um, oh, wow. yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wild, but it was a great, great project and really something fun and new for me too. Yeah, it came out beautifully. And uh, you brought the track Beginning Becoming. So let's hear the first track from Music for Growing Plants.
Uh, SD, you know, you mentioned that you make music with your sisters. Of course, your band is called Heim and you released uh, Women in Music Part 3 last year. And before I play my favorite track from that album, Up From a Dream, I was curious if you could share anything about the creation of that album and what you guys have coming up. Um, well, first of all, I love that you love Up From a Dream. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. I, my sisters and I, uh, we wrote this record coming out of what I like to say, kind of like a fog. We, we were kind of all collectively going through respective bouts of depression and self-doubt and just kind of, you know, we were all getting older and, you know, relationships were changing and friendships were changing. And I think all three of us were just kind of coming to the conclusion that, you know, we had been working for so long without taking any breaks and we just kind of needed a minute. We needed to take a beat. And so uh, we took a little bit of a beat, kind of, you know, uh, collected ourselves for a couple months and then went right into the studio with the intention of making this record. And we cracked open our journals and lyrics. And I think as we did that, we kind of all realized like, holy shit, like we've been through a lot. <laughs> Like we've, there's a lot of shit that we haven't really talked about. And so it was kind of important to us to, to share that. And, you know, we've never been scared of being extremely personal on, on record. And this is no different. Um, This record is very personal. So yeah, we made this record, you know, I'm so proud of it and and I'm excited to play it on tour. And we do uh, Madison Square Garden on May 17th and we're playing Glastonbury and it's it's going to be amazing. It's touring is really the only thing that brings me like pure joy, like in the purest sense. So I'm very excited to be able to do that after not being able to for the last two and a half years. So I'm very excited. Good. Yeah, I can imagine uh, being deprived of that energy from tour for so long and the excitement of going back into it. So I'm sure the shows are going to be incredible. Thank you. Well, let's hear Up From a Dream from Women in Music Part 3. <gasps> I was dreaming again, you were there with me. We were on the beach, running in the sea. Pointed to a sun, but in dreams you can't read And in that moment I snapped again Something you see wakes you up from the dream Wanna go back to sleep, but now you're up from the dream Walk into the kitchen, pull the dishes from the sink And you have changed in the blink of an eye Thank you. 
trying to figure out what was happening Are we already up from the dream? Why do we need to wake up again? our show and i always ask this question of all my guests so i look forward to hearing your answers because i'm sure they could be truly unique the question is what was the first album you purchased and what was the last thing you listened to Ooh, straight do you want to go first yeah the first album i purchased was de la soul is dead on cassette tape nice um yeah the yeah it was like classic <laughs> classic record um few curse words in there my parents um, loved it excited about yeah um and the last thing I listened to well last night actually I went to the Alton Gun and Nilifa Yanya show that's cool how yeah. was it how, where how did you it have the best amazing. time that was so good I just think that um like that Anatolian funk I uh, like it's such a, it's kind of the best dance music, you know, the way that they kind of sort of speed up and slow down, but then just lay into like a heavy groove is like, it was really, really fun. And then Nilifa's amazing. I love her songwriting and I love her voice and guitar playing. I, I think she's an incredible artist. And so, yeah, that was a fantastic music experience for me. Oh, I'm so jealous. That sounds so fun. <laughs> I was in rehearsal. <laughs> I would have, <laughs> I would have gone with you. Um, um, the first record I purchased was the cassette of um, Ace of Base, The Sign. Oh, <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yeah, that was the first. It was, you know, like if you, if you jog your memory back to the 90s when you would have those papers that like uh, labels would send out like of all the artists and all the records that were coming out that month. And you could just check a box and you could remember, remember that I oh, yeah. so Ace of base was the, I was allowed one a year. And so Ace of base was my, it was my Hanukkah present. So that was the cassette that I got. Um, and I, and the answer is yes. I know all the words to every single song and can play all of them on bass. Um, <laughs> good. Um, and the last thing I listened to, um, 
I've been on a heavy Arthur Russell kick and I listened to Wild Combination on the way back to my house right before I got on this Zoom. So that was the last thing that I listened to. And I very much am inspired by Arthur Russell. And I always wanted to play cello. Never, you know, I never got to study it, but I'm such a, I think that's my, probably because it, it I think it most closely mirrors the human voice. Um, it's such a pretty instrument. I really want to play cello too. Yeah. Just get one. Let's both get one. Just we'll, like do our, we'll do our next, we'll do our next score together. All cello, everything. Just cello, like, can it be called cello? Yeah, cello. Is it me you're looking for? Cello. <laughs> I would do that on a fucking. I mean, I'd have to get good. I. It. It doesn't. It's. It doesn't seem like the easiest of instruments. Um. Interesting is always better than good. That's true. Don't worry about getting good. <laughs> worry about getting interesting. <laughs> you're so right. See, that's also. I love the spirit. <laughs> that in my life. That's why I love you. You're mm. so fucking right. <laughs> um. But yeah. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on Studio Soundtracks only on Dub Lab Radio. This is the month of May membership drive that uh, everybody is kind of campaigning for people to join Dub Lab. So if you are listening and you want to become a member, please join Dub Lab's membership drive. You just go to www.dublab.com. You'll see all the information about how to support independent radio. Our outro music will be another piece from Made. This is titled Regina Visit. So make sure to check out Made on Netflix today and check out both of uh, my guests' incredible albums when you get a chance. And yeah, Christopher Esty, thank you so much for joining me on Dub Lab. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for having, having us. us.